Welcome back to The Patriot and the Preacher. We have a very special guest. He was one of the first guests on this show seven years ago, Father Frank Pavone from Priest for Life. Welcome back. Well, uh, Mark, it's great to be back with you. And, you know, I, I, I really love the title of the show because Patriot and Preacher are both titles that I claim as well in one person. So uh, we, <laughs> we try to live up to both of those very, very meaningful titles. They are meaningful. We need more of those people out there, don't we? Yes, we do, especially now. This is a great country, and it's, you know, we talk about enemies foreign and domestic, and it uh, seems to me one of the biggest enemies of America right now is domestic, and they're just people who hate America. It's like, why don't you guys just leave? You know, what do you, <laughs> leave us alone. That's we love question. America. <laughs> That's right. No, they have more hatred for this country than love. You know, uh, I think this is worth bringing up because uh, I noticed something. We just talked about it before coming on the air. The first time we interviewed you, Father Frank, is when you wrote an open letter to Nancy Pelosi yep. uh, because you were calling out her hypocrisy, and right. uh, uh, especially when it comes to abortion, when she professes to have faith in the Catholic faith, right? Um, and it turns out that uh, you had the foresight to write this uh, almost an identical letter to Joe Biden. Tell us about that. Yes, lettertojoe.com. And back in September, I, uh, I, I decided to write this because, you know, he uh, claims to be a Catholic. And really, it, it's the same problem as with Nancy Pelosi, that these politicians, they reject fundamental teachings of the church. But then, oh, I'm going to claim to be a, not only a Catholic, but a devout Catholic. Mm. So that Catholics out there, low information voters out there who, who might be Catholic will say, well, he can't be that bad. He's one of us, you know, right. and he's not one of us. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll even claim to believe, you know, they'll say, well, I believe what the church teaches on abortion. I just don't want to bring it into my, you know, public life. But actually, he doesn't. And the reason I say that is that what the church is teaching is on abortion doesn't only involve a, a, a affirming when life begins. It involves affirming that we have to protect that life. Okay. And that's what they just throw out the window. In mm -hmm. fact, they make themselves doubly guilty. Because if a person says, oh, no, 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 the baby in the womb is not human, and therefore I can kill the baby. I mean, they're wrong on that. But at least it's a little bit more internally consistent than to say, oh, I fully believe that that's a human being. But you right. know what? I'm not going to protect them. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's pretty bad. It is pretty bad. There's a lot of hypocrisy going on there. Father Frank, you've been involved in the pro-life movement for a long time with Priests for Life. You've certainly, even within the Catholic Church, created waves um, internally at times because you've always stood up for what you believe. And right now we're seeing, we're seeing so many things happen in this country. Um, things are in fact, upside down, as, as it were, right, with what's going on. Um, yeah. They are in, every, in a lot of ways. And I think you have been such a proponent of the president. You've been out there for him um, constantly. And so as, you're, as we're getting, we're less than 100 days away. I think it's 97 days today yep. Yep. Um, until the election. And so for our listeners out there that are um, wondering what they, what they should do, what is your message about the president, what he's done so far for the Christians out there, and what what they need to know about this very important decision coming November 3rd. 
Well, first of all, if somebody is a believer, they have to understand this president, more than any other, is protecting our right to practice right. our beliefs. Now, you know, it's a uh, belief and religion and the church are under attack. Their religious freedom is a is is under assault worldwide, and it's under assault in America in 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 various ways. Some of them more subtle than others. But let me give an example. People wonder why why do I support the president so much? And here's how I answer them in one in one line. I say, if he weren't where he is, we would not be where we are. And they say, well, what do you mean? Said, so, well, the government under Obama tried to shut us down as a ministry. We are we are we are the largest Catholic pro life ministry. And Obama, Biden, of course, who was right there by his side, his number two man, they instituted a mandate that said to us and actually said to practically every employer in America that in the health insurance plans we offer our employees, mm -hmm. we, we employ about 50 people, that th those plans have to include certain forms of abortion, not all forms of abortion, certain forms of abortion. And we said, no, this, this came to our attention back in 2011 into 2012. Mm -hmm. We said, no, we're not going to do that. We will obey God rather than men. And we were one of the first groups to file a lawsuit. Hundreds of other groups followed, including the Little Sisters of the Poor. A lot of people have heard about them. Yeah. And, and, you know, we went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And we said, no, no, no. You can't force a citizen to choose between following his faith and following the law. That in itself is illegal already. And right. we were claiming that because of the existing federal protections on our religious freedom, we shouldn't be forced to obey this mandate. Now, the Supreme Court helped us. They, they, um, they said they vacated all the lower court decisions against us. But then they said, you know, we believe that there's a way to work this out. Sit down with the administration and work it out. The Obama administration, they just would not understand our religious objections. But all that changed when President Trump came in, because now he not only understood, he was already advocating for the freedom of religion. He got rid of that mandate. And people have to understand, if he weren't elected, a lot of their favorite religious ministries and universities and other kinds of, 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 of services of a religious nature would have been fined out of existence. Right. So this man is promoting and protecting religious free. I mean, anybody who believes in prayer, this president has actually taken executive action to protect the right of students to pray in school right. and camp on campus for students to speak their minds, even about religious things. And um, he's, he's, he's done the same for pastors to speak their minds in the pulpit. Yes. I mean, and on and on it goes. He's made, he's made it a keystone of his foreign policy to make sure that nations that we are interacting with and helping um, are protecting the religious freedom of their people. I mean, this president, he loves the Lord, he believes in Christ, he believes in prayer, and he protects the prayers of and the works of the church uh, uh, and God's people. That's just one area. He's done more for pro-life than any other president. But, you know, uh, Mark, it's, it, I sit back in this election and I say, you know, aside from these fundamental issues, this is a president that loves America and understands America. And like we were saying before, we've got enemies now inside the country who hate this country. And he's standing up and he's saying, no, we have a country. We know what we believe and we're going to defend it. 
And he defends it in very practical ways, too. Unless you have a border, you don't have a country. And scripture is very clear about borders. Right. You know, God is, is, loves and respects borders. And you don't have a nation if you don't have borders. And the man is filled with common sense. He does things that other presidents have talked about doing and have never been able to get done. He does it. I mean, it's just an incredible litany of accomplishments, which people can go to promiseskept.com and see all in all these different areas, the economy, the military. I mean, he brought our economy to the strongest point it's ever been in history. Yeah. Uh, of course, this virus came along, but that wasn't a problem with the economy. That was a medical problem. And of right. course, it's going to have an impact. But this is the best man now to bring the, if he grew the economy to the strongest point it's ever been, isn't he the best one to bring it back again? I, absolutely. Absolutely. So those are some of the reasons I, I support him. Good reasons. <laughs> Good, great reasons. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, he's deregulating. I mean, he's, he's you know, renegotiating trade deals. Uh, a lot of things that average Americans might not research or look into, Father. And I just want to thank you for what you're doing out there. Uh, really big question for me, and I think this is another one that we, we kind of need to touch on, is the Supreme Court. So the Supreme Court ah, is yes. huge. Tell us a little bit about what the next president is going to be able to do in the Supreme Court. It's so essential that we not forget that point. You know, you know, 20 percent or so of the of the folks that voted in 2016 in the presidential race had the Supreme Court as their number one motivation. Mm -hmm. And what do we mean by that? Well, in a nutshell, I mean, we don't vote directly for who's going to get onto the Supreme Court or our other federal courts. It's the president that chooses okay. the men and women that are going to serve on the federal bench. And then it's the United States Senate that confirms them. So it's between the president and the Senate. And so when people are electing their president and electing their U.S. senators, they need to ask the question, you know, what's your, what kind of judges do you want? And that's an important question. Before you vote for a senator, before you vote for a president, what kind of judges do you want? Now, President Trump, my goodness, he was completely transparent. And he's doing the same thing now in this campaign. He publishes a list and he says, yeah. here's the people. When I, when, I, when I put someone on the Supreme Court, I'm going to choose from this list of people. I don't see any list like that coming from Biden because if people saw a list like that from Biden, they'd go running for the hills. They'd right. say, you can't put this person on the Supreme Court. So they'd have every liberal left-wing wacko person on that list that you can imagine. These judges that the Democrats appoint, I'll tell you what they do with the Constitution. They tear it up. Okay. Right? They tear it up and then they try to rewrite it out of their own imagination and out of the, 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 the wishes of the interest groups that they're beholden to. President Trump, he's putting judges in there that, that know and that, that follow and respect the Constitution. He has put 200 judges so far in our federal courts, two on the Supreme Court and the rest of them on the appeals courts and the district courts. Imagine this, 40 years from now, hmm. our grandchildren will be reading Supreme Court decisions and other federal court decisions hmm. issued by Trump-appointed judges that's right. 40 years from now so and i can't i can't see the mindset of people who say oh i don't like what he says and i don't like his tweets and i don't yeah. like his personality and I, I would rather have a president whose you know mannerisms i don't like than whose judges i don't like well, because yeah, he'll be in office at the most he'll be in office for four more years but these judges are going to be in for 40 more years 
Absolutely. Right. You got to look at the fruit of, of his life and, and what's coming out of his presidency. And that's mm-hmm. where, you know, exactly what you just said, Father. And then, you know, the other thing that really touched me was the March for Life and seeing a oh, city yeah. president that was, you know, that march, I mean, every year they have this amazing march. It barely gets any coverage. And here's the president of the United States being, a, you know, I mean, I've never seen anything like that. How, how did you feel about that? I felt like I was seeing the fulfillment of a dream because I've been going to the March for Life since 1976 when I was a high school student. And you know what? In those days and all through the 80s, when President Reagan was in office, he was pro-life and he would call in by telephone to the March for Life and address the marchers. And George W. Bush did the same thing. But you know what? When they did those things, we would be standing there uh, uh, at the March rally uh, on the mall and, and, and on the ellipse and we would be imagining, we said, oh, can you imagine? He's not that, the White House is not that far away. Couldn't he just come over here? Wouldn't right. it be wonderful if he was here? It was like a dream, you know? And here we were that day standing, standing looking at uh, the fulfillment of that dream. There he was, a sitting president at the March fly. We could hardly believe it, but we weren't surprised. We were mm-hmm. astonished at the, you know, wow, look where this, it really shows how far the movement has come. But we weren't surprised in the sense that we knew that this man was, was pro-life. We, 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 um, and, you know, I was both last time and this time involved in the, um, the pro-life advisory uh, uh, coalition to help the president and his team on these issues. And I was told back in the 2016 cycle, this president, if he's elected, he will do everything that the past pro-life presidents have done and more. And that, that has resonated in my mind every day because every day we see more things. A lot of these things don't get into the headlines, but what he's accomplishing behind the scenes and what he's accomplishing also publicly for the advancement of, of pro-life and for the unborn, again, it's unprecedented. A lot of those things, let me give you another website, people can see at prolifepresident.com. Yeah. You want to see some of the pro-life accomplishments, prolifepresident.com. And it is just so, so uh, encouraging to this great movement. It really is. Father Frank, you know, we saw a lot of things happen during this pandemic, but which all of them really concerning. But the one thing that I'm sure you're aware of, because this is part of what you do, this is your ministry, is that while restaurants and schools and everything were shut down, Planned Parenthood was allowed to still operate nationwide. And you know, that they were somehow essential, medically essential, while people were trying to, were fighting for their lives on the other end in hospitals. And so, what does that tell you where we are as a, as a nation, as our soul, as a nation? What does that tell yeah. you? It, it shows the arrogance of the abortion industry. They think that this so-called right to abortion is absolute. And you know what? Not even Roe versus Wade agreed with that assessment. It is not an absolute right. But they treat it as such. And that's why they would consider and they would always consider their quote unquote services, which is nothing other than killing babies and maiming women. Uh, they consider that to be absolutely essential. They consider that to be up on the level of freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Uh, in fact, higher than freedom of religion, because while the while the Planned Parenthood remained open, a lot of the churches ended up being closed. Right. So it's like this is an upside down mentality, and we've we've bought into it. And what it says to me, and we've discussed this many times on previous shows, is that the word abortion has lost practically all its meaning. People think of this 
in an abstract way and they're not appreciating. And the only way we can appreciate it is to look at it. Uh, that's why we have, a, we have a site, lookatabortion.org. You got to look at it and say, wait a minute, we're talking about the dismemberment of a baby, the decapitation of a living child. Yeah. And when people get down to that level and say, how can, not only how can these places operate during a pandemic, but how can they operate at all? How yeah. can we even have these places? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And before we go, because I've had this discussion so many times over and over again, especially when I was involved in the movie Unplanned last yes. year, um, and you have a ministry called Rachel's Vineyard where you yes. minister to, and so the truth is from your experience, how almost everybody you've encountered regrets it after the fact, don't they? Right. Yes, we, we are, are the largest ministry in the world for healing after abortion. Rachel's Vineyard founded by Dr. Teresa and Kevin Burke, who are full-time uh, members of our team. And uh, we've got um, just, we've got about a thousand retreats a year taking place all over the world. And the people who have abortions, they are suffering in ways that, that, that most people could not imagine. It follows them throughout their lives. And uh, it, it, it's something that sometimes does not kick in immediately. I mean, some people, as soon as they get off that abortion table, their, their face is covered in tears and they regret it. Right. Others, it might not kick in for seven, ten years. So if you talk to someone who's had an abortion and they say, oh, I'm fine, you know, oh, I'm happy I did it. Oh, it, it, it's nothing wrong. Ask them five years later and yeah. you're very likely to find a different story because maybe something happens in their life. They conceive a second child or, they, or their friend has a baby or whatnot. And, and, and it starts to bring back the regret uh, and the pain. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, Father, I mean, it's, it's the killing of the innocent and, uh, you know, movies like you said, Unplanned, Gosnell, uh, I highly encourage people to go and see those movies because it's easy for us to not think about these things until it's right in front of us. But as ministers, both you and I know that people are traumatized, like you said, for years and years after. And it's, yeah. it's just, it's a horrible thing. There's so many people in the world that are looking to adopt. There's so many other alternatives. And uh, God is very clear in his word. He says not to murder. And uh, that's what abortion is. And now they're talking about infanticide. Before he lets you go, I just want to talk about that last issue, infanticide. This is literally now part of the Democrat belief system where they, right. they have the baby after it's born. I mean, my, my mind is blown. Can you just shed a little light on that, Father? People need to understand. The House of Representatives right now, with the exception of three of the 230 some odd Democrat members of the House, with the exception of three, they will not even support a vote on a bill that would strengthen protections for babies who are survivors of abortion. Some babies survive abortion. They're born alive, they're outside the mother, they're on the table, they're struggling to breathe. And these Democrats, they don't even wanna consider, much less provide, protection for that baby. It, this, is, this is so outrageous. But people need to understand, you know, we're not only advocating the, for the re-election of the president, we need to give him a pro-life Senate, and we need to give him a pro-life House of Representatives. We need to give ourselves a pro-life yeah. Congress. And my friends, ask your House of Representatives member who's asking for your vote, do you support protecting babies after they're born? 
if they survive an abortion. I'll tell you what, the Democrats, they don't. And, 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 it, and, and it, 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 there's no words to describe. It's just people just, it's so unbelievable that a lot of our fellow citizens just don't believe it's happening. Right. But if you go to Born Alive, bornalive.us, you'll see documentation there. You'll see the evidence there. And you'll see the efforts there that the Republican uh, members of Congress are making. And the president has spoken about this time and time again. He says, I'll sign the bill. Send me the bill. You know, and the same thing in the Senate. The Democrats are against it, against protecting the babies, that is. The Republicans are saying, this is a no-brainer. What the heck is wrong with you? You can't right. protect the babies. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because this, this needs to be an election issue right here and now. Absolutely. It's really going it, to – this election is going to dictate where we go as a country. Really yeah. – would you agree it's whether or not we survive as a nation? I was just going to say, it's going to determine whether or not we have a country. This is a choice, this election. And I heard Governor Mike Huckabee articulates it this way. This is a choice between the culture of, of, of life and the culture of death. It's a That's choice right. between mob rule, violence, and the rule of law. It's a choice between globalism and appropriate national pride. Right. It's a choice between socialism on the one hand and the kind of system that we've inherited on the other. It's a choice between a lot of things that are so fundamental. Western civilization itself is at stake. This is a civil war. It's not uh, an exaggeration to say that these people, the, the, the people who hate America, who yeah. hate God, who hate human life, and who hate the church have co-opted the Democrat Party and they will be pulling the strings mm -hmm. in a Joe Biden administration. Not Joe. Not Joe. No. You see, people think about who's going to sit in the Oval Office. Friends, it's not just about who's going to sit in the Oval Office. It's who's sitting in the office down the hall from him. Yes. You gotta, well, you're going to have these crazy radicals coming in. And my goodness, it's, it's, it's going to be amazing if the country could even survive that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Father Frank, it is always good to have you on. Thank you for all that you do. This has been your life's work. You stand up for the defenseless, those babies, they need you and all that you, it, it's literally, we just need more pastors and preachers out there like you that'll stand up no matter what, because the truth is important and we need to start following the word instead of worrying about the polls or how the, oh. how the, how the, you know, that, there's so many, I think you'll agree with this. There are too many pastors that are worried about rocking the boat rather than preaching the word, right? You know, when it comes to that, I think about in the Acts of the Apostles, the Christians and these apostles that were preaching the word, they were known as people who had turned the world upside down. Not only did they rock the boat, they turned it all the way upside down. That's and, right. And, and that's because Christ is risen. It's Christ. He's in us. He's with us. He's leading us. He's preaching. He's, he's risen. He's leading the world to his kingdom. And, and I think a lot of these pastors, sadly, they've ceased to believe that. Or at least yeah. they've ceased to have. It's not enough to believe it. You gotta have that personal living relationship with Christ that makes you jump up and down every day. He says, I gotta get the word out. And 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 that's what gives us the courage. It gives us the courage to confront all these things. And here's the sign of the whole the Holy Spirit at work. Not only that we speak the truth, we have the courage, but then in the midst of the battle, what do we have? We have peace and we have joy. Amen. You have all that together. 
you know that Christ and the Holy Spirit are working in you. Amen. Father Pr Frank Pavone, it is always an honor to have you on. Thanks for joining us again. You, God Father. bless you. Thank you. Bless you both. Thank you. This is the Patriot and the Preacher, right and we'll be right back. Of this warm church town, Thank there's a gold dirt road to a whole lot of nothing. Got a deed to the land, but it ain't my ground. This is God's country. We pray for rain and thank him when it's falling Cause it brings a grain and a little bit of money We put it back in a plate, I guess that's why they call it God